sit here instead of turning my head up there and talk, and talk I can do it here. So we're going to be going through, uh, we're in a ser- series going through Matthew. And uh, so as last week we were going through uh, Matthew 11, uh, we had one of the most famous sayings I think Jesus has given uh, where it really relates a lot to us. And it's actually connected to the first part of Matthew 12 too. There's no chapter of divisions in the original Matthew. And so when we read this little phrase here, uh, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. Now this is the was the conclusion in last week's sermon. However, it's right in the middle of an illustration that God that Jesus is giving to the people that are following him and also to uh, a group of people that are listening to him all the time. And we have the group of people called the Pharisees that are also listening to this. And uh, let's see what he says as he continues is about having a heavy burden or having a light burden. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain to eat and eat. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he became hungry and his, co- and his companions? And he said, and he entered uh, the house of God and they ate the concentrated bread which was not lawful for them to eat nor for those with him but for the priests alone. Or have you not read the law on, on, that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and yet are innocent. But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you have, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Departing from there, he went into their synagogue and, the, and a man was there with a hand, who was wither, hand whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might bring charges against him? But he said to them, what man is there among you that has a sheep? And it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. He will not take hold of it and lift it out. How much more valuable then is a person than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him to those to how they might destroy him. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him and he healed them all. And they and warned them not to tell 
what he wa- uh, who he was. This happened so that what was spoken through the Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bent reed he will not break off and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish until he leads justice to victory and in his name the Gentiles will hope. So this is the section that we're going to be looking at today in, in uh, Matthew 12. And so I broke it down just the three, the three paragraphs and I gave a title to each one. Compassion over sacrifice, people more valuable than animals, and hope to the humble and the weak. And so we'll look at each of these uh, briefly. Compassion over sacrifice. Oops. So this is where Jesus was going through the grain fields and he was with the disciples and they walked through and they would take a, some grain and then roll it in their hands and then it would separate the corn out and so they could eat it as, a, as, a, as they were traveling. And the Pharisees didn't like this and so they were uh, reprimanding Jesus. How can you, your disciples be doing this? And then uh, Jesus gave two examples of the uh, time David was being sought by uh, Saul and another time when uh, the priests are working in the temple, that they are actually working on the Sabbath. And so uh, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice. And this happened to be a really big problem with the Pharisees. They didn't like this. Now, who are the Pharisees, we might say? And the Pharisees are... I was interested in this to just get a little background of who they are. What happened is after uh, the Israel had been in 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 uh, exile for for seventy years in Babylon, and then they uh, came back to Israel, and they were forced again uh, afterwards after they came back to go into exile. That they uh, a group of religious religious leaders. in, from the Jews decided, hey, the reason we were sent into exile is because we weren't following God's law. And so we want to encourage people to follow God's law. And so like a simple thing uh, to where uh, you would have uh, this, uh, let me see, do I have it here right here? Let me see. Uh, and so this is one of the distinctions that make Jews Jews today. We can see this today. Why is a Jewish nation or why are the Jews around the world, how could they hold together for 4,000 years? And it's because they've had certain customs or certain things that they've done over the years. And like it says, uh, points out the Sabbath observance was in fact one of the three most important and distinctive badges of Jewish life along with circumcision and dietary laws. And so you have Sabbath observance, circumcision, and dietary laws. And so today, 4,000 years after Abraham was given the command (laughs) to have a nation, and then when Israel developed, and so they've been able to stay together where most countries, most nationalities don't have that uniqueness. 
And the Jews have been able to stay together because they've held these customs. And so they have a lot of uh, tradition that has held them together. Not all Jews are believing in Jehovah or believing in God as a reality, but they still stick together in their culture. It's a very strong culture. The Pharisees, uh, translated for parish, uh, to separate, which is from the Aramaic, the word paras, signifying to separate, owing to a different manner of life from that of the general public. Okay, so they were in exile. Uh, They needed to keep distinct, so they wanted to encourage people to keep their identity as Jews. After the resulting of result, resettling of the Jewish people in Judea on the return from the Babylonian captivity, there were two religious groups among them. One party contended themselves to follow only what was written in the law of Moses. These were called Zadokim, so-called righteous ones. The other group added a continuous, uh, uh, added to constitutions and traditions of the elders as well as other religious observances to the law and voluntarily complied with them. They were called Kajdim, or the pious ones, who attempted to follow the all legal requirements of ritual and ethical Jewish observer, observance in daily life. From the Zadokim, the sect of the Sadducees and Khazarites were, uh, were derived. From the Kazim, were derived the Pharisees and Essenes. Uh, and so there's a plus, couple places they were mentioned in the uh, in history. Uh, this, uh, in the time of our Lord, the Pharisees were the separatists of their day, as well as the principal sect among the Jewish among the Jews. The Pharisees considered themselves to be much holier than the common people. They wore special garments to distinguish themselves from others. Pharisees maintained uh, uh, principal tenets of the Pharisees. In opposition to the Sadducees, the Pharisees maintained the existence of angels and spirits and the doctrine of resurrection. And with the Sadducees, which they denied, the Pharisees made everything dependent upon God and fate. However, they did not deny the role of human will in afflicting events. They prided themselves on their zeal for tradition. The Pharisees distinguished themselves with their zeal for the traditions of the elders, which they erroneously taught were derived from the same fountain as the written word itself, claiming both to have been delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai. So we have the Torah, (laughs) the first five books of Moses, and they also have the writings of the various prophets and and uh, folks in the Old Testament. But uh, there's some additional material that the Jews would cling on to. And the Pharisees were the ones that would hold those, a zeal for tradition. Now here's what was written in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11 about the Sabbath. "Remember Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and it you shall not do any work. 
you or your son or your daughter, your male slave, your female slave, your, or your cattle or your resident who stays with you. For six days the Lord made heavens and earth and the sea and everything that is in, in them, and he restored on them the seventh, on the seventh day. For that reason the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is what he, uh, God gave to Moses in the Ten Commandments. This is the Sabbath. So we're all familiar with that. We, we all can recognize that. Uh, and so there's one story in, uh, in, Levit- in Leviticus where a guy was uh, out uh, chopping wood on the Sabbath. And so the, the people around him came, brought him to Moses and said, hey, this guy's chopping wood on the Sabbath. And so what was the, they had a council and everything, said, well, this guy is working, he shouldn't be doing that, so they stoned him, which was a law. And so it was a very serious thing. But that's the only instance you have about in the Old Testament about someone that didn't hold the Sabbath. And so when you look at it, uh, why was it so important? Well, if we look at in in Exodus where God is giving the Ten Commandments to Israel, he's showing them, I'm making a covenant with you and I want you to be distinct around the nations around you. And so one of the things that will make you distinct is that you work six days a week and on the seventh day you rest. You rest your animals, you rest your uh, doing all kinds of work and you use that to where you can, I'll use the words, uh, restore your batteries for the upcoming week and also use that time to go to temple or go or celebrate or have time of praising and worship God. And so they wanted to stop them from uh, God wanted to reserve that one day to where you actually got to rest your body. And so uh, there's uh, certain things that, uh, but the only thing he talks about work, he says, he says right here, uh, on it you shall do, not do any work. That's what Moses talked about. You should not do any work. Well, a little later on, they had this guy out chopping wood. They determined, well, this guy's working. And so that's why they, he said he broke the Sabbath. But there was no fine details. But because of that, the Pharisees thought, well, we need to help out God on that. And so, because he wasn't that clear in the Old Testament, and so we'll do this. And so this is just in the Mishnah, which is sort of like the Talmud, uh, where they have certain kinds of provisions in Jesus' day that reveal the strictness with the commandments to keep the Sabbath holy. And this is just part of that list. They have in this, uh, the Jews, the Pharisees were very good at making lists and and different things you can and can't do. And so one of the things is, if you just go down here, uh, number K, uh, he who puts out a fire or kindles a fire. So you can't do cooking and that kind of stuff on there. And so even today, the Orthodox Jews in Israel and that kind of stuff, or even in the States, they have timers. And so in your house, if you are in, the, in California or you're in uh, Minnesota, in the summertime, it's really hot, you need air conditioning, well, they have a timer that turns it on or the lights turn on the house. They don't, they don't physically have to go in and turn the lights on. They have a timer that does it. So they can get around these things so they're following the law because they didn't physically do any work. And so they're just it's meticulous little details that can make it very difficult to enjoy a day. If you, you can only walk uh, 
some say 3,000 steps or 2,000 steps, something like that. And so you're very limited in where you can go. But they'd make exceptions. The Pharisees would say, well, if you put a, a rope between your house and your neighbor's house, well, then that's connected. So they, then you're still inside the house, so you don't count those steps. They did all kinds of where they can cheat, or, cheat it, but they're still trying to make it so it's very uh, cumbersome. And so uh, one of the things that Jesus is very harsh against the Pharisees is because they do this. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. And so they were teaching, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so instead of taking what God's word was, they put an extra burden, an extra layer. And so when it comes to uh, people of the time of, of Jesus, uh, they had a problem. The Sabbath was not a, a blessing day. It wasn't an easy day because you'd have these Pharisees that go around and just if you did something wrong, they'd, they'd nit, 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 nitpick you at, at these things. And so it wasn't easy. That's why that verse is very important. Come to me all who you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest because the typical Jewish person would feel really uh, uh, like they were having this big burden placed upon them because of what they thought God required of them. And so their, their intentions were good. They wanted to help the nation of Israel not to fail following God's law. But the consequences were not as they had hoped for, for they added to God's law, making it a burden, and ended up not being able to recognize the one who was the fulfillment of the law. In fact, they rejected him. Now what's really interesting with chapters 12, 11 and 12 in Matthew, this is a transition time. Because the first uh, 10 chapters, Jesus is uh, delivering, you know, going around talking with people, giving the Beatitudes, all these different teachings to people, and there's a little resistance. But now in, in chapters 11 and 12 is where you start to see the resistance from the Pharisees. They're all of a sudden, as we saw uh, the last couple of weeks, the Jews, well, first, John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus saying, are you really the one? Because we're expecting to have this king come and set up a kingdom. And you're talking about uh, you know, loving your neighbor and all this kind of <laughs> what's going on. It's not this, this conquering king that we were hoping for. And so they, uh, he pointed to John and his disciples back to Isaiah to where they could see, well, this is the servant that is coming, suffering servant that is coming. And so the Pharisees were also looking to have deliverance from the Jews uh, uh, from the Romans and to have be established in their uh, lawful right as the uh, blessed ones of God on earth. And the Jews were supposed to be the dominant ones on earth and not the ones subjected. And so Jesus is starting to come into a conflict with them. And so, uh, in fact, as we can see, they don't even recognize who Jesus is. We, I think, we have to watch out because we can look, so all these foolish people, they can obviously see that. Well, 2,000 years ago, if you were brought up in a Jewish culture, you would probably miss Jesus too because we're all influenced by the way we're being taught. And so, as, as Paul said, it was a mystery when we look at what we are as a church, the Christians, that whole idea of Christians, this, this life that we have now as being a part of the body of Christ, that was hidden, that wasn't part of what the Jews understood about it. And so uh, I think we have to give a little benefit of the doubt <laughs> of, of these guys. But also, we have two 
Pharisees that we know of. We have one called Nicodemus, and we one have Paul. Nicodemus seemed to be open or interested in trying to find out who Jesus was. Paul was the opposite. He was so Paul, I think, would be in these this group of people that are criticizing Jesus, to where uh, Nicodemus was one that was had a tender heart and wanted to follow God. And so we can't place all Pharisees as being, you know, really uh, people that hated God, but but. Uh, the ones that we meet in the New Testament, they obviously were having a problem. So here we have uh, the law of, the, of Jesus and the Pharisees' law. This is the contrast of how they meet people. And so we see this compassion over sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, it was true that you weren't supposed to eat the showbread. Only the priest was supposed to do that. But because of a time of need, the compassion of the of the peace was okay. You can have this this bread that we have here. Also, for the people working as priests, that's the main day they work. <laughs> they have to okay. People bring the lambs. You have to offer them. You have to slack. You have to slaughter them. You have to do all kinds of things. But so they had an exception, and so there's uh, so Jesus pointed out. Well, you're giving. Uh, you don't understand what God is requiring of us when it talks about uh, holding the Sabbath. Now we look more, people are more valuable than animals. For the Son of Man on the Sabbath, and Mark adds, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So again, it's putting this emphasis on what's the purpose of the Sabbath? Is it something to enslave, enslave, enslave the followers of God or is it to help them in having a relationship with him? And so um, Mark has a little stronger emphasis on, on well, no, this, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so what's the rules? This statement is found only in Mark's version. What is Jesus saying? He is saying that God made the Sabbath to give man, men a time to rest. By this addition of all their minute detail rules and regulations, the Jewish sages had in effect made the Sabbath the master over men. The Jews, insist, instead of enjoying the Sabbath as a day of rest, now had to work even harder than ever to make sure they did not break any of the Sabbath regulations. They had to be cautious about what they did where they went, how far they went, and on and on. It must have been heavily, been a heavy burden on all who tried to comply with the non-biblical regulations. In short, Jesus is saying the Sabbath was made to be a blessing for man, but the theoria of non-biblical rules that turned the day into an ornious burden. It is interesting that in our modern culture, many often dread Monday, but give the burden of the but given the burden of the Sabbath, one cannot help but believe most of Jews would say, Thank God it's Monday. So we all look at Friday being great, but okay. So this is a really good one. I can really read it good. So this is the for the Son is the Lord of the Sabbath. Mark adds the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Departing from there, he went 
into the synagogue and the man was there with a withered hand. Okay, here's this man with a withered hand. The Jews came to him and asked him, well, is it good, can you heal a, a man on the Sabbath? And why did they do this in 11? But they said this to them, what, this, excuse me, uh, well, then Jesus replies to them, what, in 11, what man is there among you who has a sheep and, oh no, I want to go up to 10. And it says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might bring charges against him? So they're trying to trap Jesus because they have their little rules. You can't do anything uh, as would be considered work. And so if they were working would be, uh, you know, healing someone. They had laws to where, for example, on the Sabbath, if your child broke his arm, you couldn't set it on the Sabbath. You had to wait till the next day. And so there's all different kinds of rules and regulations they make. So they were basically, they wanted to try to, uh, to catch God and uh, Jesus in, in doing something. And so in verse uh, 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out, Luke adds, filled with rage and conspired against him. And then Mark adds, uh, with the Herodians as to how they might destroy him. So because Jesus was breaking their laws, he wasn't following the Pharisees' understanding of how it was to uh, please God. They wanted to destroy him. And they were working together with uh, people that they didn't really agree with, the Herodians. <laughs> they didn't see eye to eye with, uh, but they still wanted to work with them in order to see if they could destroy Christ. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and, followed, and followed, many followed him, and he healed them all, and warned them not to tell who he was. This happened so that he might, that what might have spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. And so here you have uh, people are more valuable than animals, and so this is one of the things that, uh, what's the purpose, the purpose of the Sabbath, and also Jesus' ministry is doing good. And so can you do good on the Sabbath? Can you heal someone on the Sabbath? So it's more important to heal a man uh, uh, than it is to uh, let him not be healed. Just like as if you saw a animal that was uh, you owned, uh, a, a lamb or, or something fell into a, a ditch, you would go get that animal out of it. And so they would do that, but they wouldn't help a man. And so, again, what's the priorities? And so uh, it's, a, it's meant to be showing that, no, you have compassion uh, rather than sacrifice. You have a concern for helping rather than letting things suffer. And the third is, Hope to the humble and the weak, even the Gentiles. So if you think of what uh, Jesus is doing here is, well, first he, he said to them, don't go out and tell people that you're being healed. Keep it secret. Don't, don't spread it around. He didn't want to be known as a, uh, 
a person that would just go around and heal people. He wanted people to know about I'm bringing the kingdom of God in, in, in your midst. And so having this type of ministry to where he can see that he has compassion for them. He didn't want to go out and, for example, they when he fed the 5,000, if you remember, they wanted to force him to be king after that. And Jesus didn't want to have that. He didn't want to, no, I'm not, my kingdom's not, this is not my kingdom. This is what I'm trying to do. Now this is interesting in Isaiah, this, this first passage here. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bent reed he will not break off, and a dim burning wick he will not extinguish until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. And so this is the, what Jesus is doing in these past couple verses we were reading is supposed to signify a fulfillment of this passage. And so what is Jesus doing? He's going around, he's talking with people saying the kingdom of God is here. He's doing things like healing people. Uh, He's not wanting to go out, like in verse uh, 18, uh, he's proclaiming the justice of just playing justice to the Gentiles. Now, if anything, the Pharisees would really hate is that Jesus would even mention doing anything to help the Gentiles, the heathen. Uh, so this is sort of uh, the wrong thing for a Pharisee, for someone to, they would not even understand this. Looking back in Isaiah, they were blind to this. They They would not think that uh, God wouldn't want to do anything with the Gentiles. They should all be destroyed. But this is what, and also what we see in Jesus' ministry says, well, now is not the time for me to speak to the Gentile, like when the one girl, one lady wanted to be healed, help have her daughter healed. He said, well, I can't help you because you're not even part of Israel. Well, even the master allows the crumbs to fall off the table for the dog to eat. And so, he thought, well, what faith that woman has that even she understands that God's grace is really great just being at the table to get the crumbs. And so at this particular time, Jesus is not talking to the Gentiles, but we can read that and say, well, look, we're included. But what I think is really interesting is uh, verse 20. A bent reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. So he's coming and he's gentle to folks that are in need. Hope to the humble and the weak, even the Gentiles. Message is not just for Jews, but also Gentiles. For I am gentle and humble of heart, going back to uh, what he said in Matthew 11. And also just as for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And just seeing how uh, the Pharisees, because of their intent effort to try to please God through their system, they totally missed the point. The point was, well, they should just look be looking for the Messiah and 
taking on his characteristics, of the, taking on God's characteristics of, of love and compassion. Uh, there's a balance when we read the New Testament. Also, when we look at who God is, he's a God of justice and a God of love. And so we have this, as we live our Christian life, as we look, look at that, we have a tendency to put our emphasis on God is love or God is justice. And so it can warp our understanding if we focus too much on one and not realize they're both. Because uh, God is both. Again, back to this phrase where you had these badges of the Jewish life, the Sabbath appearance, observance, circumstances, and dietary law. This is very important when you're reading the Gospels. And we can see it, first of all, in the interaction that the first Christians were having in, in when we read Acts, in seeing how the Jews were coming to Christ and they would continue following their traditions. And then when the Greeks and the Gentiles began becoming Christian, there became a conflict between how one should observe Christian life. And this is also uh, when we're trying to apply this particular passage, I think it's important for us to realize for the Christians, there is no requirement to follow these, those three things. Therefore, no one is, is to act as your judge in regard to food and drink or in respect to a festival or new moons or the Sabbath day. That's in uh, uh, Colossians and then circumcision, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but what matters is keeping the commandments of God and so here we can see there's a transition when we look at this and we say well how should we hold the Sabbath or Sunday how should we hold Sunday this is our Sabbath a lot of people have that idea and we can see in our traditions over, over church history we can see the various ways that the church has tried to maybe incorporate many of the things that were put on the Sabbath as far as making this day a holy day. It's very interesting. The only commandment of the Ten Commandments that's not repeated for the Christians to do in the New Testament is the Sabbath. There's no Sabbath requirement, you might say, as far as when we look at what's being repeated. In, in the New Testament for the believers to have. We have this freedom in, in that. Uh, so it's just very interesting because we, I think this is a good phrase, we should periodically evaluate our traditions in order to make sure they do not violate Christ's compassionate example or the clear teaching of scripture. So there's many things that we have as traditions are good. I don't know if any of you have seen the old musical Fiddler on the Roof. Us old geezers have seen it, but I don't know about it. If you other younger folks have seen it. But there's this one song that the main character sings is called Tradition. And so it's a Jewish uh, play. But one of the things that was very important for the, that community was to hold the traditions. And I think sometimes we as Christians, when we get into our fellowships in our way of doing things, we sometimes get a tradition that is sometimes we have to we have to look at that and say, well is it something are we holding fast to what God's word says and are we living out uh, God's compassionate example through Christ when we hold some traditions that can be we should allow uh, a little flexibility you might say in traditions. Just like for example 
today I'm sitting here at a table, not up in the, uh, standing in front. That could be a tradition for some people would be very, oh, that's offensive. Why didn't you go up? Well, where in the New Testament does it say that a preacher is supposed to stand at the pulpit? And well, well there's not even a pulpit in the, in the New Testament church. They're meeting in homes. And so we have these things that sometimes we place too much or we add things not intending to do something bad, but it sometimes can be a deterrent or cause our hearts to stray from what the Lord wants to do. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus was, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, asking, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love God, love your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most foremost commandment. The second is, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. And this is the challenge that we have, that these two things were commanded to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and, and mind, and also to love our neighbors ourselves. And we can see that there's a tendency in the humanness to gra- gravitate to one or the other. And so... Uh, it's just a challenge. Look at how you perceive the world and how you perceive our response, response and our activities uh, as a Christian, how I should respond in the world. Do I gravitate to one or the other? Right now it's very popular for the, oh God, love, God is love. But there's also that, well, if you're loving God, you le- follow his commandments. And so which trumps? Loves God's love or God's commandment? Well, there's, there's uh, a, a challenge for us. So you have Jesus' law, the prophets, compassion or sacrifice, people owe more value than animals, hope is a hum, hope to the humble and weak. So I think this will end with the same verse we began with. <laughs> Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. Are you experiencing that in your Christian walk, that comfort that God offers us? In my response to other people when I meet them, do I have this attitude to where the one that I'm representing him when Christ says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, do I have that same kind of compassion, that same kind of interest when I'm meeting other people? So I think all of us want to come to someone that will receive us. He won't bruise a uh, reed. That's been, he, won't, he won't bend a, a bruised reed. And he won't put out a smoldering wick. Am I, do I have that attitude? Do I have that in me, well, Christ said He would give that to us when we're walking in the Spirit. So I just want to encourage each one of us to, to think. Well, how do I apply this to my life? I can definitely see the Pharisees were wrong, <laughs> but then, how am I looking at other people, and how am I living my life? So I encourage you, each one of us, to come 
to Christ. I think we do this on a daily basis to where we can see, see, see and know who he is and also how we can give it to other people too. So dear Lord, I just thank you for those just brief moments we had together and just looking at your word. I hope this is encouraging and thankful for this offer you've given to each one of us that we, if we come to you uh, with our, where we're weary and burdened, that you will give us rest. Thank you that you said we can take our, your yoke upon us and learn from you. For you are gentle and humble in heart and you will help us to find rest for our souls. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Let's stand up for a benediction. (coughs) To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Come and join us.